0: Welcome to Tasso Tech Talks. I'm Ben Greenstone, the Managing Director of Tasso Advisory. On this podcast, your hosts, me and my brilliant Tasso Advisory colleagues, will discuss all things policy and politics with our expert guests. We'll go in depth on the big issues for tech companies, exploring what might happen and what it all means. Across the world, politicians, policymakers and regulators are increasingly focused on technology and the companies behind it. This poses a major risk to tech companies' reputations, their ability to operate and their profitability. It also offers opportunity to shape the environment in a way that works for them and their business and to be known for what they do well. As they say in DC, if you aren't at the table, you're on the menu. My guests today are two Tasso Advisory colleagues. First, Margot James. Margot is our non-executive chair and was previously the Minister for Digital in the UK government. In that role, Margot was the lead minister on what is now the Online Safety Bill and took the Data Protection Act through Parliament. Margot also served as the Minister for Business and as a government whip. Second is Joel Gladwin. Joel's the director at Tasso Advisory, supporting our clients across the gamut of tech policy. Joel was previously the technology policy advisor to two secretaries of state to the department for digital culture, media and sport, and was the head of policy at startup lobby group Codec. Thank you both for joining me to discuss this new government, our second in as many months, and what it means for tech businesses and tech policy. It feels to me that this government will be the most pro-tech since the heady days of Cameron and Osborne in, in, in the early 2010s. Margot, I'd love to start with your general thoughts from, from your time and what, what this looks like.
1: Yes, good morning, Ben. And it's great to be here with you this morning um, and with Joel. I agree with your assessment. I think the Prime Minister is imbued with technology. He's a graduate of Stanford University. His impressionable years were surrounded by fantastic tech startups and scale-ups in Silicon Valley. And he is a, a passionate believer in what tech enables and he's backed up by a chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, who is also very positive towards technology, a good thinker in terms of the potential that tech has to improve, indeed transform our public services such that every advance doesn't necessarily need a shed load of public money underpinning it and I think that both of them are very committed to making sure that the UK stays the leading tech sector in Europe and also a great place to start and grow a technology business. So I think it's uh, it's good times ahead for the industry. But of course, there will be some headwinds, not just those facing Industry across the board, um, but also specific things that could slow progress or enable some interests that perhaps aren't as pro tech as the government to take root. So I think there's an ever pressing need to stay on top of policy and to read where it's going, making sure that the voice of tech is very well represented across government. Thanks, Margot. And
0: Joel, having come out of government so recently, I'd, I'd love your thoughts on what this new government looks like for tech companies and for tech policy.
2: I'm extremely optimistic about what lies in store for, for the UK tech sector with, with Rishi at the helm. Having left sort of serving the, the Boris administration and then also his time as, as Chancellor then, I think it was fair to say that I thought at the time that it was the most pro-tech government uh, that we've seen since the halcyon days of, of Silicon Roundabout. I think like one of the things I would urge everyone to, to read or listen to if they haven't yet already is, is his MACE lecture, which he did, I think, back in February of this year, actually covering off some of the stuff that we uh, that we heard over the, the summer during the, the leadership contest, the, the, the dichotomy between whether government should intervene in markets or not, and, and then also the unfunded tax cuts and whether they are the right way to approach things. And even back then in February, he made it very, very clear that the unfunded tax cuts approach was not the right way to do things. But actually, like, if you carry on reading through it, um, you'll get to towards the end where he really zeroes in on the, the main things that are key to unlocking growth and productivity, uh, which are people, capital and ideas. Ideas being innovation. And it really is like an ode to, to technology, um, innovation and growth. And then during like sort of his his time as, as chancellor, he really did drive a, a lot of things in those three buckets. Um, thinking of like the people front, um, not only sort of shoring up like the domestic skills pipeline but also revolutionary visas such as the scale-up visa high potential individual visa Um, and again like I think like it's, it's interesting, sort of, with the, the dynamic between him and the, and the new Home Secretary, where visa uh, liberalization was, was a key thing that Suella and, and Liz Truss, like, fell out over. Whether he's able to, to drive that as, as PM will remain to be seen. Um, but then also on the Capitals front, like, it's interesting, sort of, seeing his Stamford influence, um, when he was Chancellor. Uh, you see, you saw, like, him taking sort of riskier, bets than, than normal politicians would when it came to like the future fund, uh, furlough, basically sort of breaking normal, normal institutions of government to get things done in new and innovative ways. So absolutely, I'm very optimistic about what the future holds. Great. Thanks, Joel. And if I could move now,
0: and perhaps Joel, I'll stick with you for the moment, to um, one of the the biggest questions facing so many technology companies, both in the UK and those from abroad that have some operation in the UK, is what you think this new government will mean for the online safety bill? Will it be going ahead? Will those promised changes to to legal but harmful content for adults be coming out? What what do you think and what should businesses be thinking
2: about? So, I mean, the the bill's definitely going to go ahead. And sort of some of the the messages that we've heard is that it will be back in uh, parliament before Christmas which if all sails smoothly will mean that it should be completed by April. But I think it's worth noting some of the key things that, that Rishi and Liz trust both said during the summer, which was that the legal but harmful category was of concern and that it would be revisited and they both committed to that. So I definitely think the bill will look a lot differently when we do see it. And I think the legal but harmful side of things will be potentially watered down if not scrapped completely. And I think like the, the, the the reasoning for that, like, really comes from the, the the lobbying that the free speech advocates did over the summer, and then also sort of the polling from Conservative Party members, which pointed to the fact that they they really disliked the fact that the bill would have like a chilling effect on freedom of speech. Um, so, I definitely think that those are the those are the things that that will appear differently in the bill. But it, I think the the strengthening of like the protection of children um, accessing content will definitely be reinvigorated. Thanks, Joel. And Margot, obviously, is
0: one of several ministers that's had responsibility for what what is now the online safety bill and in charge of it at a key time um, in the formation of the policy. I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think about the potential uh, watering down and indeed what you think is likely to happen.
1: I think that the watering down, and I agree with Joel, with the, the mood music Um, it looks likely that it will be watered down. I think there will be some quite powerful resistance um, in the form of some conservative backbenchers who feel very strongly on the issue led no doubt by the former Secretary of State, Nadine Doris. Some of the Labour opposition, I think, will mount quite a case for the defence of the Bill's original intentions and against the watering down. And then there will be um, quite a powerful lobby in the Lords, I think. I think the government may well try to buy the opposition off with the strengthening of protections Uh, for children and young people. And I think if they can increase protection for children and young people, then they might get their watering down through on other fronts. Um, You know, in the end, they have a majority of 70 or 80 or whatever it is with all these people who've lost the whip and they will get it through. I don't think the opposition that I've just mentioned would be enough to derail it, but I think it will probably be enough to impact on public opinion and get some, some real momentum behind stronger protections for children and young people. But finally, as you mentioned, Ben, as I was the Minister responsible, really for the, the origins of the bill, it's been an awful long time. People have been able to put it off now for about five years. So I think at least we know where we are. And I agree with Joel. It looks like going through next year.
0: Great. Thanks, Marco. Now, perhaps I can take both data and competition at once, in that they're both bills which the government is bringing forward post-Brexit to take advantage of some opportunities that either didn't exist before or now perhaps are just more politically possible to take. Do we think both of those bills will, in the case of data continuing, in the case of competition, go ahead? Is there enough time? Is one going to be prioritised over the other? Joel, I'd, I'd love
2: your your thoughts on that. So, I think the data bill will definitely go ahead. Um, it is sort of the flagship. It was always it was always built up to be this flagship post Brexit bill um, that we were sort of taking charge of our, our data regime and being able to reform GDPR. Um, and it was really sort of used as a as a massive political win. I think there are aspects to the bill from my time in government that caused controversy within the cabinet um, which will be looked at when it comes to sort of article 24 human oversight of AI that type of thing but ultimately because it is such like a a big bill that has been like it's it's been given a a lot of airtime and sort of it's always pointed to whenever there is like talk of like Brexit dividends, et cetera, that it will progress. I think competition is an interesting one because I actually think that the competition bill and the DMU that it would establish um, in in statute is actually more impactful on the UK tech sector than any other thing, uh, including the online safety bill. Unfortunately, like when it comes to sort of the retail policy aspect, it lacks that sort of cutting edge compared to other things. And so where we are in the political cycle, given that there's only going to be one more parliamentary session after this one, I think there is a real risk that it does not conclude in this political cycle. I think it will be picked up no matter who wins the next general election, purely because it it solves a lot of the problems that we are countering this day from online platforms. That I think no matter who wins, we'll pick it up and run with it. But I don't know whether that will happen this side of a general election. And Margot, I'd love
0: your thoughts, especially as the former minister who took through the Data Protection Act, which, is now being revisited in part by this this Data Protection and Digital Information Bill.
1: I think that getting GDPR integrated into UK law was a huge milestone. And with the benefit of hindsight and the opportunity to make changes, um, there are definitely improvements that it seeks to make. And it won't, I don't think, be contested on the Conservative side of the House. I think it will have a, a reasonably smooth passage uh, through Parliament and I think one of the main purposes is to enable us to strike trade deals that incorporate a data aspect. But of course some of the countries we are seeking to negotiate with have their own data protection laws which are, are in some cases more stringent even than GDPR. For example India which is the government's top priority at the moment for securing a trade deal has the system of data localization, which is a real impediment and our liberalisation is not necessarily going to be an advantage when it comes to negotiating trade deals with countries like India. So I think the dividend so-called will be quite cosmetic, in fact, but at least it will allow the government to claim some benefit, I suppose.
0: Perhaps I can round off with one question Specifically for Joel as Tasso's resident crypto expert, the Prime Minister was enormously positive about crypto while he was Chancellor of the Exchequer. Are we expecting that to continue now he's Prime Minister,
2: or is it going to slip down the agenda? Well, I, I hope it continues, and um, I hope he mints the the NFT that was promised as well. Um, I'll be very upset if he doesn't. Um, no, I think like definitely in like sort of the the Prime Minister's mind. Web3 and crypto were seen as a huge economic opportunity for the UK. And actually, like when you when you look at sort of the European tech ecosystem as a whole, Europe failed to produce a web two platform. We don't have a, a Google, we don't have a Facebook, we don't have a Twitter. And actually, like, sort of the web three revolution was identified as actually we could lead the way here with some clever policies, some clever announcements and actually sort of lead the new revolution in the, in the, in the internet. And going back to sort of earlier this year, like he came back from Silicon Valley, very, very enthused about Web3. And then that sort of laid the foundations for some of the crypto announcements that were made at FinTech week earlier in the year. And I expect to see a lot more coming out soon, whether that's the law commission reviewing the property rights of of digital assets or uh, making the the business landscape more favorable for DAOs to be established. And then also one of the things I think needs to be actioned as quickly as possible is actually sort of the role of the FCA in the financial in, in the financial regulation of crypto and the, and the crypto register it's it's quite it's quite amazing really that we've had the temporary register for crypto firms and it's been a, it's been around since 2020 and only 38 firms are on the register And actually, like, so there's a real culture change that needs to be driven from, that can now be driven from the top of government to actually whip the FCA into shape and get them to actually approve. There's more than a 100 firms that have applied. And even some of the big names like FTX and Coinbase still haven't been approved. It's it's quite remarkable, really. So I I expect to see a lot more action and activity there. Uh, And then also, obviously, with, with the financial services and markets bill currently going through, crypto assets are now will be defined in in primary legislation, which is huge news and puts us on par and footing with what's developing um, in the European Union with Mika and really starts the journey towards seizing the opportunity of Web3 and crypto. Great. Margot, Joel,
0: thanks so much for taking the time to talk tech policy today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tasso Tech Talks. I've really enjoyed it and I hope you have too. If you like listening, then please do remember to subscribe to be notified of our next episode. If you've got any feedback or things you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop me a line at ben at tassoadvisory.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Tasso or what this government means for tech policy and for tech companies, you can get me on that same email. See you next time.